The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So again, a warm welcome for everyone who's uh, here attending this IMC's Asian Dharma Circle hosted open house event. And those who are online joining through YouTube, as well as those who are in person. And so happy to see some faces that I've been, we've been, Lilu and I've been seeing on Zoom. (laughs) And now we get to see you all here uh, in person. That's nice. I want to say a few words about uh, today's open, ho- open house event. Um, so we don't have a long history, <laughs> but uh, we did start this last year uh, where our intention was to allow um, uh, the Asian uh, Sangha in IMC to meet with the broader IMC community in some way that may be meaningful and supportive of the overall community. And last year, uh, we did this, and we also had our um, uh, guest te- uh, guest teacher and speaker uh, joining us, Chen Xinghan, uh, who shared a bit about uh, her book, and um, being the refuge, and uh, we had a good time uh, discussing the book and uh, its relevance uh, in our broader community. And she's here today. <laughs> Those who are online, and you will see her hopefully in the course of this event. And then today, uh, we're so fortunate to be able to have Trent Walker here with us. Um, will be our guest teacher and guest speaker, uh, who uh, share a deep um, practice and uh, history in the Asian uh, Dharma scene. And today, and, uh, Trent will be sharing his new book, as well as leading um, some chanting that is rich in the Asian Buddhist history. And so we'll be doing some chanting together and learning about the book. And the formal part of our um, gathering together uh, will include um, some of these introductions and uh, chanting together, as well as some chance uh, to have interaction, interactive discussions for those who are here in person. And... Um, some uh, question and answer time, um, and kind of we are exploring this together uh, as a community. And we'll we'll end the session around 2.30 Pacific time. And after that, um, the uh, uh, the formal part of our session will end, close. And those who are here, You're welcome to join us for an optional uh, gathering out in um, the parking (laughs) parking uh, lot (laughs) of IMC, where we'll have time for some tea and uh, some snacks, and and so just kind of informal uh, connecting, and so that uh, will be uh, happening out in the parking lot. And so with that, I'm going to pass it on to Li Lu. Thank you, Ying. It's just such a pleasure to be here in person. Um, There's kind of an energy in coming together that I'm really um, appreciating right now. And for those joining online, I'm just loving that this is happening here but also happening in broader broader scale across across the world wide web um i'll say a little bit now about our group the imc asian dharma circle um i think it's been it's been two years 
maybe a little bit more three, three and a half years that we've been going for. And um, the, the, uh, the group kind of just sort of happened to come together um, in a way. I think I had come to a point in my own Dharma practice where I almost accidentally started sitting with um, people of color sanghas and noticing um, how in those environments something dropped away that I wasn't, I didn't know was there. <laughs> something relaxed that I hadn't been aware of that was a holding. And there was a wish that um, the benefits that I was receiving could could continue for others and for myself. And so um, I wanted um, to see if IMC could have something like this, could offer something like this for practitioners. And um, fortunately, Ying was also happy to join and lead it. And so we sort of started this. And um, we've been going since the pandemic. And um, it's just been such... Um, such a gift, actually, um, for my own practice and for all those who I've met who seem to have benefited a lot from this group as well. Um, we meet twice a month on the second and fourth Sundays at, at, at this time, about 1 to 3, 1 to 2.30, actually. And um, it's a usually pretty intimate but kind of casual group. We have some regular people. We have some people who come, um, and they're new. And we offer a guided meditation and a short Dharma talk. And I think what's really rich is because it's a smaller group, there is a lot of time to ask questions and interact and kind of share of each other and connect in a way um, that's really rich that I think has been very helpful for our own practices. So that's a little bit about Asian Dharma Circle at IMC. And um, we have this tradition. This is our second time of hosting this open house once a year. And um, it's a way to acknowledge that the boundaries of what is constituted as Asian, <laughs> if they're not, you know, firm and hard and that many of us have family members, friends, um, the practice of what is constituted as Asian Buddhism is also kind of porous. Um, and to just explore and appreciate this together. Uh, so today we have Trent, and I'm so happy to have him coming to share a little bit more about chanting practice. In our group, um, there has been a lot of interest in um, kind of chanting as a practice, and um, I don't know if it's coming out of um, kind of growing up hearing chanting or just being in cultures that are more amenable to this practice, but wanting to share it and bring it to the whole community. And I'll say a little bit um, to formally introduce Trent. Um, so Trent uh, researches and teaches about Southeast Asian Buddhism literature and music. He is currently a postdoc fellow at the Ho Center for Buddhist Studies and lecturer in religious studies at Stanford University. And uh, Trent received a BA in Religious Studies from Stanford and a PhD in Buddhist Studies from UC Berkeley, uh, where his dissertation focused on Cambodian chanting manuscripts. And you can visit his website where there's lovely audio recordings of him chanting um, many of the pieces um, from his book. Um, it's trentwalker.org. And I just feel like it's such a treat to be able to be here in person and hear you um, share about this work and just be able to be part of this this like auditory experience. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Ying. Thank you so much, Li Lu, for uh, inviting me here. Um, it's such a pleasure to be here on this uh, special day for the Asian Dharma Circle on this, it sounds like, second annual open house. 
and to see uh, both uh, new and and familiar faces. So um, thank you for for making this this possible. I just wanted to say a few things about chanting, about the book that some of the translations I've put together in this packet are coming from, and how I came to this particular mode of practice and and study. But mostly what I'd like to do in the time we have together is make time for us to chant. And that's what the, the packet here is for. It's just to allow us to sample and experience a couple of different types of chanting together. And many of you, I'm sure, have experienced a whole wide range of of chanting styles, whether in your own practice or things that you grew up hearing or things that you've encountered in Buddhist practice or other kinds of practices in your life. And for that, I'm also grateful that uh, Ying and Lilu will facilitate some reflection and discussion, both about sort of what we've experienced today and then also tying that into your lives and your practice more broadly. And thank you to everyone joining online as well. It's a real pleasure to to be here. I'd like to begin just by passing around a few things, if that's okay. I don't have a PowerPoint, but I just want to give you a few images, if I may, and maybe we could pass them in different directions. Um, so this one here that I'll pass around, this is uh, one of my main teachers of chant, Gao uh, Ran. I just wanted you to be able to see a, a picture of her when I, when I speak of her. And uh, this next one is of my other uh, main teacher, Prum Ud. Just, just so you can see a picture of him. And I'll just pass this around as well, um, because... You can see in this book um, some Cambodian banner, banner paintings of scenes from the Buddhist life uh, that are connected to some of the chants. So just so you have a sense of what might be happening visually in context with some of the chants. So I'll just, just pass those around. Maybe I'll keep passing things around. Is that okay? (laughs) Can I pass these around too? These are just two examples of chanting books in the Cambodian language, or Khmer, or Khmer. Uh, And I just, especially so you could see the cover, the covers show uh, a scene of some of the ways this chanting, one of the particular styles of chanting that I'll talk about more, is used. My interest in Buddhism and Buddhist practice and music really grew up together. When I was in high school, I started to practice at a couple of different Buddhist centers in San Francisco, at Gold Mountain Monastery in Chinatown, and also at the San Francisco Zen Center. And in both of those contexts, I was drawn to silent meditation, but also to ritual and chanting practices in particular. I had also grown up um, here on the peninsula studying music, trumpet, voice, these kinds of things. So I was really curious about this interaction, this intersection between the Dharma, between the teachings of the Buddha, between the practices that we engage in, and sound. What, what might be happening at this, this intersection? And that drew me, uh, after finishing high school, to go... Uh, before going to college to work for a year in Cambodia with an organization called Cambodian Living Arts and doing research for them on this intersection between Buddhism and music. And through through that organization, I became connected to the two teachers uh, whose uh, images I've, I've passed around so you can see, Gao uh, Ran and Prum Ud who became my root teachers in the Cambodian Dharma song, or Thobot tradition, which is this particularly melodic style of chant that we'll get to explore together. And that 
that experience and then also studying chant in a monastic setting. I spent about half a year ordained temporarily as a novice in Cambodia. Um, made me really curious both in my own practice and in my academic life to continue thinking about and trying to understand what's, what's happening in this relationship between uh, particular Buddhist teachings and ideas and the way they're lifted into music or sound or chant. If it's okay, I thought I might mix up the portion in which I'll, I'll, I'll say a little bit more about the Cambodian Dharma Song tradition, but I would like for us to chant together a little bit first. Um, then we can get a feel of some chanting in our bodies. And I'd like to begin with a chant that actually isn't in your packet, but just something very, 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 very simple. Um, and this is coming out of the Cambodian tradition in which certain forms of meditation practice involve concentrating on syllables. These may be repeated silently, sometimes repeated aloud, and that's somewhere in between what we might think of chanting as a practice that takes place out loud and meditation as a practice that takes place silently. In the Cambodian Buddhist context, and this is similar in Thailand, Laos, other places as well, uh, this word, this Pali word, bhavana, uh, that we might think of as meaning mental cultivation or meditation, in many cases really refers to chant. I often chant done silently in this way. Here I would like to take these three syllables, mo, ah, and u. Um, these are syllables that in the Cambodian tradition can stand in for the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. They're syllables that can stand in for the virtues of our mothers, our fathers, our teachers, and other kinds of symbolic meanings uh, within the uh, esoteric Theravada context. But for now, I'd just like for us to explore them as, as sounds. So the, the syllables again are mo, ah, and u. And so... Uh, let's chant just, uh, we'll begin with Mo. And I invite you, I will start on a particular note. Don't feel you have to do that note. You can pick any uh, one sound that feels comfortable to, for you in your vocal register. And then we'll just do that for one breath. Then we'll move on to Ah. And then we'll move on to ooh. So I'll start each of those and then you can join in. Just hold it for one breath. Then we'll pause, take another breath in, go on to the next syllable and ending with ooh. Make sense? Okay. Let's do the same thing, but for each syllable, whenever you come to the end of your breath, just take a breath again and rejoin everyone else. So we'll continue on mo until I ring the bell, and then we'll pause, do ah, then we'll pause, and then do ooh. Make sense? Mo.
Now I'd like for us to continue that same approach to sound, but extend it to this first chant here on the top of page one. As you might be aware, the Pali language is pronounced in many different ways, depending on the particular linguistic or cultural context in which it's used. So there is a so-called Indic or international pronunciation of Pali. It's similar to, not exactly the same as the Sri Lankan pronunciation. And for this first chant, it would be something like Namo Buddhaya, Namo Buddhaya. Um, And then there are also, uh, depending on the phonetics of local languages, all kinds of other ways Pali might be pronounced. So for instance, in the Cambodian context, that same phrase is pronounced So let's try this chant. Um, one thing that I wanted to highlight here is in gray, those are the syllables that are longer, and the ones that aren't in gray, those are the syllables that are shorter. Um, in many styles of chanting, that distinction between short and long syllables when chanting in Pali determines the rhythm of the chant. This isn't true in all styles, but in many styles, particularly in Cambodia, Thailand, Laos, to a less extent in Sri Lanka and Burma, but particularly in those three co- contexts, that distinction between short and long syllables determines the rhythm. And the long syllables are exactly twice the length of time as the short ones. So it leads to this rhythm of Namo Buddhaya Namo Buddhaya Namo Buddhaya. So slowed down. Namo 
Dhaya Namo Buddhaya Namo Buddhaya. So let's try that. We'll try it in this um, international pronunciation of Pali. Namo Buddhaya first. And then, uh, like before, just breathe when you feel comfortable. And uh, you don't have to breathe at the end of the phrase. So in some styles of chant, one might recite, Namo Buddhaya. Namo Buddhaya. But here, let's just continue uh, without a breath there. But take a breath whenever you would like to, because we're chanting in a group. And then join back in wherever the group is. So, uh, for instance, if I'm, uh, if I was chanting by myself in this way, I might go, Namo Buddhaya, Namo Buddhaya, Namo. Namo Buddhaya, Namo Buddhaya, Namo. Bundhaya namo bundhaya. Make sense? So let's uh, try that um, all together. This simple phrase just means homage, namo, uh, to the Buddha, Buddhaya. Namo Buddhaya, Namo Buddhaya, Namo Buddhaya, Namo Buddhaya, Namo Buddhaya, Namo Buddhaya, Namo Buddhaya. Dhaya namo bundhaya 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 namo Let's continue with that same style, but we'll add the Khmer pronunciation just so you can feel what it's like to chant in a different pronunciation of Pali. So instead of Namo Buddhaya, Namo Buddhaya, we'll try Namo Buddhaya, Namo Buddhaya. So let's just repeat each syllable first. Namo Buddhaya, Namo Buddhaya. Here, yeah. Great. So we'll do the same thing. And feel free to experiment with what pitch you're chanting on. It doesn't, in the in Cambodian styles of chanting that sounds um, monotone, sounds like each individual chanter is usually on one pitch. Generally speaking, in a group, people take on many different pitches, whatever is comfortable. Uh, for them, and it creates this interesting layered kind of sound. So feel free to experiment. Namo Buddhaya, Namo Buddhaya, Namo Buddhaya, Namo Buddhaya. Tiaya namo buntiaya namo buntiaya namo buntiaya namo buntiaya namo buntiaya namo buntiaya namo bun Tiaya namo bun, tiaya namo bun, 
Get a time check on how much, yeah. Going, okay, wonderful, thanks so much. So let's do maybe just one more uh, chant in this simple style of uh, just chanting on one pitch and then I'll transition and we'll explore some of these, this more melodic style of Cambodian chant. Of course, yeah. Just a curiosity, really, yeah. in the top line where it has the Khmer script Pali, which yeah. I can't read. Yeah. Uh, nonetheless, it says that there are only two long syllables compared to the three below. Is, can you say about that? Sure, sure. So if you look at that second long syllable, you'll see that the second part of it looks a little complicated. So there are actually two syllables in there. In other words, the dha is written kind of below the put. So it's like namo put dha. Yeah. And many uh, scripts that are used to write Pali have similar kinds of principles. So that's why it it happens to look like that. Sure. So let's look at this uh, second chant here that many of you might be familiar with. Uh, this one that in the uh, international style of pronunciation would be Namo Dasa Bhavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa Namo Dasa Bhavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa Namo dasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa. Or in this Khmer style pronunciation, Namo dasa bhagavatao arahatao samma sambuddhasa. Maybe we'll do it just in this international style, but just want you to, just invite you to be aware of these other kinds of pronunciations. And Often when this is chanted, the individual words might be uh, separated with a pause. One might chant something like, Namo tasa bhavato arahato sammasambuddhasa. That would be one style. But let's try this other style where there's no break between words. And the only thing determining the rhythm is this difference between the long and short syllables. Here, the long ones again are highlighted in gray. So we get this pattern of Namo tassa bhagavato arahato sammasambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma, etc. So let's just do that once. All together three times. Uh, again, without a pause at the end. So, all together three times. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa. Thank you. So we can, if you'd like, and if we have time, we can explore more about different uh, other chants in this, often in this monotone style. If you turn to the second page now, I just wanted to offer some other uh, approaches to chant. So this distinction between long and short syllables and the rhythms behind that are Part, one part of the aesthetic joy and beauty of chanting in Pali. So, for instance, this one at the top, which is often used uh, to recite prior to reciting Buddhist 
texts to invite local uh, spirits on earth and in the heavens to come listen to uh, a recitation of Buddhist chanting. The, uh, the, the pattern of these syllables repeats each line, and that's how poetry in Pali works. There's these patterns of short and long syllables that repeat each line. So this is a slightly more complicated pattern. Um, but when in recitation, we can hear the pattern very clearly of so it creates, again, each line having this same kind of rhythmic pattern. Um, but sometimes in a Cambodian context, it might be recited in that way, like, Sanke Kamedarwapegarasakaratadetanhalikevimyanetiperoathejakiyametarawanakehaneyehawathomhekhetevhumyatayantotewyajaladhalawisameyekhakwanthampaniyakiyatadhantasanthikeyamonewadawajanansat
And because our time is short, let's just try uh, chanting. We'll just take one stanza of this and, and learn it in English together. And let's learn the fourth one, the one that says here, no joy equals that of peace. Nothing else can end suffering. Here in this world and beyond, peace is the cause of true joy. And I've made this little space in between the lines here so that each line is divided into a group of four syllables, then a group of three syllables. And in uh, Cambodian chanting, in not in Pali, but in Khmer, often uh, or almost invariably, the melodies are structured based on uh, a certain number of syllables for one part of the melody, a certain number of syllables for another part of the melody. You know, very analogous to when we're singing a song that has multiple verses. Usually there's approximately the same number of syllables in each verse so that we can put the same words uh, to uh, that same melody. So the same uh, practice is happening here. So let's just try this one. This one is one that's associated with this experience or this feeling tone of basada, of, of clarity or bright faith. So I'll I'll recite a short bit, and if you could repeat after me, that would be. Then we can experience this one together. No joy equals. No joy equals. That of peace, that of peace, nothing else can, nothing else can, and suffering. Suffering here in this world, here in this world, and beyond, and beyond. Peace is the cause. Peace is the cause of true joy. True joy. Let's try that one more time, but we'll just do it all together. I will chant along with you. Don't worry if you can't remember what the melody was. Just listen to those around you and we'll, we'll make our way through it. No joy equals that of peace. Nothing else can, and suffering here in this world and beyond peace is the of true joy. Let's just do one last one here. Uh, let's just do the one on the next page. And uh, I think we'll have time just to do this and call and response. Uh, and let's let's uh, let's skip to the uh, 
third stanza. This is one that's associated with Samvega. But the story here is this is uh, recreating this moment after uh, the Buddha has been born and his mother is, uh, in these texts, is described as dying seven days after his birth. And this is Maya, Queen uh, uh, Mahamaya, uh, offering her guidance to Mahabhajatabhi Gautami, uh, who, as the Buddha's aunt, takes care of the Buddha after Maya's death. So this is Maya's guidance then to Gautami. So if we just take the third stanza here, um, in Kamaya this sounds something like, and so we'll apply a version of that same melody for this line, what can I do when we are born only to be destroyed, etc.? What can I do? What can I do when we are when we are Born only to, born only to be destroyed, be destroyed. All humans and all humans and animals, animals die and decay, die and decay by nature. By nature. Thank you. So I think we're going to transition now to have a chance to discuss and reflect. Uh, you're welcome to um, take a look at any of the other chants that we didn't get to. The other ones on like pages five, six, seven, eight. Those are just examples of other ones in this Dharma song style. They have melodies of their own that might be recited for uh, when someone is passing away, sometimes for a funeral, sometimes for the consecration of a Buddha image, sometimes just for a ceremony in gratitude uh, for parents. So uh, many different occasions. Um, and the book that they're coming from until Nirvana's time, the, this book just has more translations and essays that try to, um, for me, try to fulfill what my, my teachers, Pramut and Gaoran, wanted to do, which was to share uh, this particular Cambodian tradition uh, with the world. Um, first to Cambodian-American communities, those particularly younger Cambodian-Americans who are maybe more familiar with English uh, than Khmer so that they can access this part of their heritage and their tradition, but also for people who are not Cambodian but want to uh, appreciate a, this particular window on the Dharma that's offered through the Cambodian Dharma Song tradition. So thanks for your attention, and I'll turn it back over to the two of you. to sit here and listen for a while and feel this. Mm. We have a chance uh, to, um, for those who are here uh, in person, to get into a small group of a three or four uh, to share a little bit about what this experience is. Chanting, listening to the sound of the chanting, 
and maybe um, um, what might have evoked in your heart, in your mind, in your bodies. And um, I would invite um, folks to mingle a bit. So maybe go to the people you may not know much uh, at all. And we can spread out in the hall and maybe even outside on the deck, uh, if you like. We have about uh, 10 minutes or so. Um, and once you settle into a group, um, um, maybe just take a moment um, and uh, to kind of collectively recognize that you're in a group and um, um, find a way, you know, whoever might to, wanted to start first um, and then go around the circle and to say one thing at a time. So as we get together, we kind of also are learning from each other. And uh, this is not a chance to um, comment about other people's experience, but really allow this to be something that we're sharing together, collectively sharing together, and uh, receiving the gift of uh, sharing. And so... Um, Maybe we can just um, uh, stand up and form the groups. And for those who don't find the groups, maybe you can come to the center of the hall and we'll find you a group. <laughs> Thank you.